Trust you found your place in the book of 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, and tonight I'll be reading verse 12 and verse 13. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 12. The Bible says, No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. Every Father, thank you so much for your precious word. Thank you for the privilege we have to hear from you tonight through your word. I pray that you would open our hearts, our minds, our understanding and that we'll receive your word with gladness. Thank you so much for your precious son who you sent to this earth to die on Calvary's cross so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. I pray that you would strengthen each heart here tonight. And for someone who might be discouraged, downtrodden, I pray that you would strengthen their hearts tonight. And I pray that your word would provide comfort and healing where needed. Pray that you give me the words you'd me to say. Cleanse me of sin and to me of self. Fill me with the precious Holy Spirit. That I may preach what thus saith the Lord. And if there's someone who doesn't know you as personal Lord and Savior, may tonight be the night of their salvation. Take full control of your divine way. And we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. In war, the element of surprise is often employed in order to gain an advantage over the enemy. In order to utilize this element of surprise, however, it is important to conceal or to hide one's location and one's strategy from the enemy. Oftentimes, the approach that is used to accomplish this is camouflage. Camouflage is concealment by some means that hides or obscures the appearance of the intended object or person from another. The objective is often to blend in with the surroundings in order to accomplish concealment. Standing out in such a circumstance is undesirable. As a matter of fact, it can be detrimental. Being distinctive and noticeable becomes harmful to one's existence. However, camouflage, or wild camouflage, rather, is desirable in acts of physical warfare, it is undesirable in spiritual warfare. In other words, it is important for those who, of us who name the name of Christ to stand out, amen? To be distinctive, to be noticeable in this war in order to be effective. This is necessary because if we are absorbed by the world, we become of no effect to building the kingdom and we actually, eventually, will become casualties of war. 
The Apostle John, in writing this epistle to saints, to those who he loved, to those who he had won to the Lord, he had a special relationship with them, he speaks largely in this book to the theme and the matter of Christian distinctiveness. I've dubbed and labeled this series the Christian Signature because there are some things that ought to make us stand out. There's some things that ought to label us as different from the world in order to reach the world. In this chapter, we notice that he began with speaking of the importance of discerning the spirit. Why? Because if we don't understand uh, the different spirits that exist, then we really won't be able to determine where we stand. He speaks of determining your stand. Where do you stand in this war? Which side are you standing on? And then he subsequently speaks to this matter of the distinctiveness of his servants, of God's servants. Last week, we began looking at this, and we saw that if we're going to be distinctive, if we're going to stand out from the world, we must ensure that we pattern the sovereign. How are we going to pattern the sovereign? Well, no better way to pattern the sovereign than by loving one another. John speaks to this matter that God is is love. This love was manifested when he sent his son to this earth to die on Calvary's cross for our sin. That we might live through him. Loving others and loving God is distinctive. It is characteristic of a child of God. It's a requirement. We have a great reason to love others. Why? Because God loved us. Amen. But tonight I want us to see a second area of distinctiveness that John mentions here in these verses. And that is that a child of God who's going to stand out in the crowd, who's going to stand out in the world, who's going to be noticeable, is going to possess the spirit of God. Look with me at verses 12 and 30. You notice that, uh, the apostle, that the apostle John says, no man had seen God at any time. So he makes this statement just prior to emphasizing this matter of possessing the spirit because he wants us to understand, first of all, that the sovereign God is spirit. And he's speaking of God the Father. That, that's why he says, speaking to our humanity. The fact that we see each other as physical beings, he says, no man had seen God at any time. Now, John is the same writer of John's gospel, of course, and in John's gospel, chapter 4 and verse 24, Jesus speaking to the woman at the well speaks to her and says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So John is emphasizing and establishing a foundational principle and truth here that this God who we serve is a holy God. It's important to understand the character of this God, the nature of God. You see, my friends, when you understand someone, you get to know their expectations. 
You get to know what they like. You get to know what they dislike, what they expect. You learn how to get along with them. You learn what pleases them. You learn what they bring to the table when you're in a relationship with them. Now, for those of you who have been married, and you don't have to be married long enough, but, or for a long time rather, but as much as you have a wonderful and a beautiful wedding ceremony and it's all smiles and everybody's cheesing and everybody's looking their immaculate best, after the marriage or the wedding ceremony, those subsequent months can be bumpy at times. You don't have to be so quiet because you're getting adjusted to really learning who this person is. You're getting to be familiar with their quirks. You're getting to be familiar with uh, those idiosyncrasies that might annoy you at times. That you didn't know about them when you were dating. You never saw them. You had no clue. Maybe it's a good thing you didn't know. where well, you might have changed your mind. But... but you find out some things afterwards that, that, that you just have to get accustomed to and, and, and you learn to live with them and to really, you know, even embrace them and just recognize that that's a part of who they are. And so John here, under, helping us to understand that if you're going to be in a relationship with God... Understand who God is. And by the way, speaking on this matter of relationship, even as we reference husband and wife, listen, it's important to get to know who you are, who you are, who you are marrying even before as best as you can. Amen? Before my wife and I started dating, I would submit to you that it was important for us to as best as we could, get to know each other. My dad would recall this. I guess he, he has mentioned this, and he would say, which was true. Of course, most of you would know, all of you would probably know that we were a long distance, and my wife worked at the airport. And, um, and she, I guess she was doing her research and so when people would pass on their way traveling to Nevis, she would just, oh, do you know the Maynards? Do you know Wayne Maynard? And she, she was trying to get a feel for, well, what did the other people say about him? Not just what he said about himself. Right. To see whether everything lines up. It's a trust but verify. <laughs> so the whole idea was to get to know there's some basic things about God that we ought to know and we ought to learn if we don't know. Amen? I'm amazed at times that people, probably in ignorance, do some things uh, referencing God and trying to get God's favor. And for those of you who've been around long enough, if you know some things about God, you probably want to tell them, no, that's not going to work with God. God does not function that way. God is not going to approve what you're asking him to approve. I mean, I'm amazed at times that you get requests to come and ask God's blessings on an event that's nothing but ungodliness. 
and you're asking God to give a smile of approval and a sanction. It does not work that way. John, initially here, wants us to understand some things about God. The sovereign God as spirit. But then he goes on, subsequent to that, and he mentions here that if we love one another, God dwelleth in us. What does John want us to? What does John want us to understand? That this God, and here's what's distinctive about people who know God, that we have been recipients of a supernatural gift. There's been a supernatural gift that's given to the saint. Uh, oftentimes we might see this as not a big deal, but understand that when a believer accepts Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior, God supernaturally indwells that believer through his spirit. My friend, that is an amazing gift. Turning your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and 21, verse 21 and 22, it's important that we see these verses because if we don't understand the distinctiveness of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we probably would overlook the value of it and not realize how that makes us distinctive, how that ought to make us stand out in a wicked world. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 21, the Bible says, Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who hath also done what? Sealed us and given the earnest of what? The Spirit in our hearts. 2 Corinthians, oh, you know what? Chapter 1, rather. I'm reading chapter 1 and verse 20 and 21 and 22, sorry. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. That's the right reference. And then let's look as well at Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 and 14. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 and 14, it says, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Notice when you receive this gift of the Holy Spirit, after you do what? Believe. Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. Now, there's a, a, a literal earthly analogy that you can use to help you understand this, the significance of receiving this wonderful supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're purchasing a home, that, for most of us, would be our largest financial transaction. Most people. And such a transaction is major. It's not one to be taken lightly. It's not taken lightly by the seller. It's not taken lightly by the buyer. 
And so in making such a large transaction, a, a buyer approaching a seller has to demonstrate that he or she is serious about this transaction. And in demonstrating that you're serious, you're not asked to bring a serious face to the table. You're asked to bring some serious money to the table. In other words, you must provide a significant down payment, which is called earnest money. It it demonstrates that I am serious about this transaction, and while the bank is processing, or while you're trying to negotiate your uh, finances and getting your loan, and whatever it is that you have to do, you're going to put that money down as a sign that I'm going to come back later and I'm going to make the final payment. Failure to do that could result in a loss of that earnest money on either part, in either party. Now notice what God is saying here by way of this gift of the Holy Spirit, that God's down payment by way of this transaction of redemption is sanctioned and approved by the fact that God gives us his Holy Spirit. My friend, that's a major down payment. God purchased us with his blood and he's saying to us, I'm sealing this transaction by giving you my Holy Spirit. Because until that day of redemption, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 14, anyone who looks at you and looks at me, they ought to see the sign of that Holy Spirit that says, wow, they're sealed. They belong to God. You ever go into a store and you see a nice piece of furniture or something that you want to buy and you're just about to get excited about it and all of a sudden you see a label on it that says, sold. There's nothing you can do about it. It's already been purchased. Listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 to 20 says. It says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Others are to recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and we are to be reminded of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives as well. And here's something else that I think we often overlook. The Holy Spirit is no less God than God the Father and God the Son. He's not third class God. He's not second class God. Is equal. And God says, I'm sanctioning you. I'm making you distinctive. You ought to stand out because God lives inside you. What a blessing. John says, this matter of distinctiveness, it ought to be characteristic in our lives because we possess the spirit. The supernatural gift given to the saint and because we have this supernatural gift given to us as saints, notice the subsequent growth that is seen. 
it says here in verse number uh, verse number 13 it says sorry in verse number 12 rather it says if we love one another God dwelleth in us and look at the latter part of that verse and his love is what? perfected in us because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives as believers, guess what, friends? We are to mature. His love is perfected. It means to grow. How do we grow as a result of the Holy Spirit in our lives? This Holy Spirit points out areas for improvement. This Holy Spirit, through conviction, alerts us to sin in our lives. He provides guidance, direction, Things that we ought to do that demonstrate our love. And as a result, our love for God grows and our love for other people grows as well. Just yesterday evening at Men's Prayer during a time that we enjoy where we reflect on things that have happened in our lives and ways that God has worked and is working. A number of the men shared Instances where it was clear that God, through his Holy Spirit, was distinctly and clearly speaking to them. Sometimes God speaks to us by way of correction. Sometimes God speaks to us by way of approval. Sometimes God speaks to us by way of nudging us to do a particular thing. And just yesterday, I, I shared a certain experience that I had, not one that I'm probably mighty proud of, but I was in town, and you all would know how high the demand is for parking. And I was picking up something from the boat for my wife, and I found, well, a parking spot. It was not readily yet available, but, you know, when you're driving around and somebody puts on the reverse lights and you're like, oh, wow, great timing. So this person was backing out, well, put on the reverse light. So I pulled up close to them. The reverse light was on. Waited a few minutes for them to get out. And as soon as they pulled out, somebody drove up to the opposite side of me and slid right in the parking spot. I was like thinking to myself, not today. And your pastor laid on his horn. Bop! I guess I wasn't too pastor-like, but I wanted to draw their attention to the fact that I was there waiting. I assumed they didn't see me. And so I figured I can't let this parking spot go. So I jumped out of my car, and I went up to their window, and their window there was up. So I, I knocked on the window. And she wound down the window, and I said, uh, Ma'am, I, I was waiting here for this spot, and um, maybe you didn't see me, but, well, you slid into the other spot, but I was here waiting for some time. She said, Oh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I didn't. I really, really didn't know. I said, Yeah, that's why I'm telling you now. <laughs> she said, But I, I'm just going to the bank right there. Well, I said, I'm picking up something from the boat, and the boat is actually pulling up at the dock right now. She says, but, but I'm, I'm, I really didn't know. I said, yeah, I understand, but I was here first. 
And after back and forth and back and forth, she reluctantly pulled out of the spot. I jumped in my car and pulled into the spot. And as soon as I pulled into the spot, the person next to me, which I didn't realize, pulled out. And there was another spot now available. And I guess the Holy Spirit said to me, if you are a little more patient, I had this spot waiting for you, but you forced the woman out of the spot, and now there's a vacant spot, and you can't call her back. Here you are preaching about love in First John chapter 4, and now that's how you behave. I said, God, next time, I'm so sorry. I was convicted of my impatience, and I hoped I could find that woman and apologize to her. And if she hears that I'm a pastor, she says, well, that's how pastors behave. But we ought to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Amen? We're not going to always get it right. But the Holy Spirit nudges us. And he reminds us of how we ought to be good testimonies. And we ought to be light and salt in this wicked world. Even though I was not very bright as a light. And I was not very savory as salt. But Lord, he has forgiven me. And I will do better in the future. But the Holy Spirit speaks to us, doesn't he? Thank God for his direction. And then notice, finally, and I love this, this aspect of being possessed by the Holy Spirit, we ought not to take lightly because it is a sure guarantee of our security. Look at verse number 14, 13 rather. After what the Apostle John said in verse number 12, He said, hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he had given us of his spirit. In other words, John is saying, we ought to have the assurance and the confidence that we belong to God just by virtue of the fact that he would indwell us with his spirit. In other words, we ought to be distinctive as believers by being confident about our salvation. A child of God ought not to be running around scared that they're going to lose their salvation. That ought to be characteristic and distinctive of a believer because we are to say, listen, God gave me his Holy Spirit. That was the earnest. That was the down payment. And I don't have to worry about being lost. I know that's not a popular belief in Christianity, but that's what John is saying. He's saying as a result of the fact that God dwells in me and we in him. Listen, we are to know beyond any shadow of a doubt. I'm a child of the king. This, my friend, is the evidence of eternal security. And if someone takes the fact that God lives inside them as a license to sin, heaven help that soul. It ought to be the contrary. The opposite. God has given us his spirit. You think of the process of adoption. If you were to adopt a a child... In most instances, that process is long and 
drawn out, probably for a variety of different good reasons. One of the things that's an indication of the completion of that adoption process is when that child's last name is officially changed. When that last name has been changed, it is a clear sign that the process, the transaction of adoption is complete. That child now has the family's name. My friend, when God adopted us into his family, he gave us of himself. That was the sign that the adoption was complete. God was saying to his child, you have me. You are distinctive. You belong to me. There should be absolutely no question what family you are in. And John says, as a result of having this Holy Spirit, you are to know beyond any shadow of a doubt. You are to walk with assurance. You are to walk with confidence. Why? It is a sure guarantee that your adoption is secure. Be grateful for the Holy Spirit. Be thankful for the Holy Spirit working in your life. Be thankful for the fact that when we do wrong, there's a Holy Spirit nudging us. No. Convicting us. Not letting us be comfortable in sin. Why? Because God is a holy God. If the Holy Spirit is dormant in one's life, that ought to be cause for concern. Major concern. But thank God that because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can be distinctive. We can stand out. No time for camouflage. No time for blending in. No time for being comfortable wallowing in the muck and mire of sin. Let that be a reminder. No wonder I feel so uncomfortable when I'm not doing what God would have me to be. Why? I'm a child of the King. That ought to be normal. That ought to be the way that it is. And if it's not, that's not good. Thank God for the privilege to be His child. And may it be that we are distinctive, that we stand out, because we're going to pattern the sovereign we're going to love like he loved. We're going to love unconditionally. We're going to love God. We're going to love other people. But we're also going to possess his spirit. And his spirit is going to work in our hearts, work in our lives to accomplish.